From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to an edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, Ryan Brown of WJOX in Birmingham joins me for a one-hour discussion about uh, sports. The next couple of weeks, the possible return of college football, what college football might look like, the state of sports media in the wake of the past several months, and several other topics. I think you'll uh, really enjoy it. Ryan's terrific at what he does there at WJOX, part of the top Morning show, one of the top morning shows in the South, probably one of the top radio shows, frankly, in the country. So you'll enjoy your hour with Ryan Brown. I'll get to that in just a minute. First, let me tell you that we're brought to you by the Oxford Exxon, of course. They have clean fill-ups and uh, with sandy grabbers right now. You can protect yourself from the flu and the cold and germs. Stay clean and stay well, all without having to touch the nozzle there at the Oxford Exxon. You can also go in. Great uh, beer selection. Uh, sodas, snacks, plate lunches, the ribs, of course, all of that available to you at the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Crystal. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. That number is 662-257-1900. Call it, ask for Corey Clark, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours. Right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle, you get your quote. And the rest is up to you. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make that call. 662-257-1900. Guests, including Ryan Brown, join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters on the Water is open. It's located at the Sardis Marina. They've been having a big party out there all summer. They're open Wednesdays and Thursdays, 3.30 to 10, Friday through Sunday, 11 to 10. Live music. Uh, they got social distancing and all that stuff. Great food. Uh, shrimp, catfish, burgers, Zydeco shrimp, crawfish egg rolls, uh, fun cocktails, including the famous house frozen margarita. They've got to-go available, curbside available as well, 662-712-6162. Get out, take a break from all that's going on, and enjoy a uh, a dinner, a lunch, a whatnot, a few drinks at uh, Rafters on the Water. We are also brought to you by our friends at the Iron Horse Grill. Uh, I'll have my food for thought up on Friday morning. Iron Horse Grill is the sponsor of that. They're located at 320 East Pearl Street in Jackson. Open uh, for uh, brunch, lunch, dinner, and uh, they're live music four times a week. It's absolutely the perfect place to go enjoy yourself, get away, and uh, enjoy your time there at the Iron Horse Grill. We're also brought to you by Dead Soxy. We have a uh, podcast up with Zach Barry and myself talking recruiting and other things. That is brought to you by our friends at Dead Soxy. Uh, Dead Soxy has uh, a promo code Rebel Grove. Enter that at checkout. You get 30% off the best dress socks you've ever put on. Uh, if you're on the fence about getting your kids a pair of the limited edition socks, use the promo code Rebel Grove. Get a pair that your child will love for under $5. Shutdown deals with the promo code combination are available in select styles as well. So go to deadsoxy.com and make your day 
a Soxy one. And before we get to Ryan, a reminder that uh, our friends from Blue Delta Jeans are pleased to announce that on October the 16th, which is the Friday before what will hopefully be the Florida game, Blue Delta Jeans will be hosting the second annual Delta Cup golf tournament. Uh, last year, that cup was won by Chase Parham and his group. They're going to be defending that crown this year, and you can take your shot at them. Tea time will be uh, 10 a.m. at Mossy Oak Golf Club. Your registration fee will include green and cart fees, food and drinks on the course, as well as a new pair of Blue Delta Jeans. Prizes up for grabs, hole-in-ones, closest to the pin, longest drives, all of that. Field's going to be limited to 18 teams, though, so you want to jump in now. Email Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, at BlueDeltaJeans.com to reserve your spot, and they look forward to seeing you on the course. Now let's go to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline and Ryan Brown of WJOX in Birmingham. Ryan Brown of WJOX, kind enough to spend some time with us here on this Thursday, as I always do in uh, COVID time. I think it's very important to timestamp the moment. It's 2.16 Central Daylight Time, July the 16th, 2020. We're, uh, we're more than halfway through uh, the, 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 the 2020 nightmare oh, we're we're, we're thank God. almost we're we're, all, we're we're past the halfway point if this were a marathon we're past 13.1 you can you can count backwards now uh, ryan how are you no i'm doing very well how about yourself you know what i'm doing okay i'm doing well good I'm doing good uh you and i have talked about these philosophies of things i uh I, i'm one that's freely admits that that uh i i, I required some therapy in my life several years ago and one of the things that uh that I, I was i was instructed to work on was that i cannot control the uncontrollable yeah and i i'm not perfect at that but i'm better than i used to be and it has led to a uh, happier existence yeah it's a uh, that's a good lesson to learn and so i think we all have to learn the lesson at some point that um Boy, the things out of your control you just you just kind of got to let them go and <laughs> see where the cards fall right so yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and so here we are. It's July the 16th, and in this case, I always do the timestamp as somewhat of a joke. But in this case, it's real. <laughs> two weeks from today, two weeks will fly by because two weeks always fly by. Two weeks from today will be July the 30th, which puts us, according to my math, uh, very near the end of of the month of July, and it feels like decision time is looming for Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby and the other commissioners of, of college football uh, or, you know, college athletics leagues across the country. We're, we're pretty football focused here. What's kind of your gut feeling here today on July the 16th? You know, it's, um, it's kind of interesting, uh, what this week has done because, um, you know, Greg Sankey went on Marty Smith and Ryan McGee's show on ESPN radio Saturday, Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And said what he said, and boy, that, that, you know, that one pull quote from it, um, you know, led everything. And Monday when we show up to do our show, that's all anybody wanted to talk about was, you know, and, and gosh, even before I got to Monday, you know, my dad's calling me or I see people at, you know, uh, the reduced crowd at church on Sunday and we're all Greg Sankey, man. I just, and I think, Based on his subsequent interview with Clay Travis on what was that Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday morning. Yeah, with Clay, uh, I, it, it seemed like. Now I'm just guessing, but it seemed like Sankey might have thought, okay, maybe I painted too grim of a picture, but because he came back to Clay with a little hope. You know, he's talking about 
Alabama and uh, Texas A&M rescheduling the USC and Colorado games, respectively. And, you know, he, he comes with what I felt was one of the best college football-related pieces of news to come out of this is, hey, guess what? Oddly enough, as athletes have come back to campus and we've allowed the campus doctors to take care of them, we've aggressively tested them, we've somewhat quarantined them, we've, you know, taken care of their nutrition, all, we've made sure, you know, they're working out and they're sleeping and, you know, we've, we've made sure the, the places they work out are clean and disinfected. Oddly enough, I, I, I know it might surprise a lot of people, but the infection rates have near zero. And, you know, I mean, and those weren't Greg Sankey's words. That was my commentary on Greg Sankey's words. That's but I don't think it, it should surprise anybody. That's essentially what he said, though. Yeah, that, yeah that, I mean, it shouldn't, it, yeah, it shouldn't I mean, surprise anybody. He said basically that when they first got to campus, he didn't say this, but it, we can all, most of us can read between the lines. He said when most of these kids got back to campus, not surprisingly, they took it lightly and they partied and, and uh, they did some dumb things. And sure enough, we had spikes and in those moments, everyone began to realize from the players to the coaches to the people that, hey, we're going to have to take this a lot more seriously if we're, if we're going to have a chance. And since people have been taking it more seriously, they've uh, they've had some a lot of success. And, and that while their numbers are not zero, they are getting closer and closer to zero. And I think it was Kentucky the other day that, that tested and uh, that I saw. And I saw where Oklahoma tested today or tested yeah. yesterday and the results came out today with, with complete 100% negatives. Yeah, and this should not surprise anybody. And it's something I have said all along. And in fact, after Clay tweeted what Greg Sinke said, I retweeted it and made this point again. And it's, you know, at least one member of AO.com staff thinks I'm a certain body part <laughs> for saying this, which was an odd response to me, but whatever. Um, I wasn't going to bring it up, but if you, if no, you are, okay. I probably will. Yeah, that's okay. I don't mind. Um, but, uh, I mean, th- this is what I have said all along. And I know I've said it on this podcast before, but I'm going to say it again because I am really passionate about this because I'm going to say three things, Neil. I'll say these three things, and I want you to tell me if you think these are widely accepted facts by people who know about college athletics. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Here, here are three things. I'll just say them all. Well, number one. Okay. Number one. Number one. The vast majority, and by vast majority, I mean 99.99% of SEC athletes get superior health care on campus than they do at their home. That is true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, now listen, that's not just Neil and Ryan's opinion. I've talked to numerous players who would tell you that they're blown away. Like they don't have to make appointments. They just walk in whatever their ailment is. They've got immediate antibiotics for it or, you know, you know, pain medicine or whatever. Well, so I mean, it's one. why, and, and let's stay on this point for just one second. It's why when, whenever we talk about recruiting, I always say, so you're bringing in some kid from, I don't know, Water Valley, Mississippi, okay? And and, and I'm not picking a Water Valley or... I, I didn't even know that was a real place. I'm not just making you know, places up. All right, here we go. Pelham, Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Dabo, home of Dabo Swinney. Yeah. I mean, it's a good program. They have a nice yep. facility and stuff. But yep. when you take a kid from Pelham and you go, hey, you've got these six SEC offers and you're going to go visit LSU and Alabama and Auburn, of course, and you're going to go visit Ole Miss and you're going to go to Arkansas and you're going to go to South Carolina. At the end of all six of those visits, he and his parents or whoever is the people in his life are going to walk out of the place in, in, in Tuscaloosa and Oxford and Fayetteville and Columbia and wherever else I mentioned and go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, I know, I know. Because yeah. the facilities are great. 
The people yeah. are great. You don't get to be at those places without being great. They've got great medical care, great academic support. They've got great locker rooms and great weight rooms and great rehabilitation rooms and all that, all that stuff. I mean, yeah, somebody's might be fancier than somebody else's. Alabama might have a really cool waterfall. LSU's got the cool nap chairs. But the kid from Water Valley or Pelham, he doesn't have any of that where he is. Yeah. And so when he sees the tour in Fayetteville, for example, he walks out of there going, man, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. That is awesome. The, um, the, can I, all right, all right, this is completely and totally random, but I'll forget to bring it up if I don't now. So I'll get back to the other two truths in a moment. Okay. But you said Water Valley, Mississippi, and it just, have you ever seen the show Aerial America on Smithsonian? Do you ever watch that? I have not. Oh, that's a terrific show. I think you'd really like it. So they take all 50 states and then randomly maybe larger cities and some national monuments and things like that. And it's an hour long show. And all it is is aerial shots of these states. And I was just going to say, I watched the one on Mississippi the other day, and it was fantastic. Um, you know, it covers the, uh, you know, the, the birth of the blues movement down in, uh, I believe it's Clarksdale. Uh-huh. Uh, shows Morgan Freeman's, an aerial view of Morgan Freeman's home outside of, uh, oh, uh, what's the name of the town? Um, some town, in, the, the town of Mississippi, wherever, you know, Maybe it is Clarksdale. It's Clarksdale, I, don't know. I think. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. yeah, wherever Morgan Freeman lives. It shows the NASA facility. He's out facility. here a lot now, but I think his, yeah. I think his main home yeah. is in Clarksdale. It shows the NASA facility down near the coast, uh, the Bay St. Louis Bridge, um, or as a friend of mine that's from Mississippi calls it the Bay St. Louis. I don't know which one, which way to go on that. <laughs> I mean, it's a really cool show. So they do a, a gyroscope camera attached to the bottom of a helicopter, and they just fly around. It's just a, it's a really cool show. Anyway, I was just going to say randomly, I watched the one on Mississippi the other day. It was really cool. So anyway, okay. there's, that's free. That's absolutely free. Smithsonian Channel it airs all the time called Aerial America. They didn't Where's spend it? any time over Water Valley is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I did not see Water Valley. That's, okay. but that did make me think of it because it's you know it's a small town. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that, that's that's number one. You can't argue if you know anything about college athletics that at least in an SEC program, and it goes deeper than the NCC, but I'll only use the SEC here. You get superior health care, and, and I'm talking in almost probably every case, but I'll leave a tenth of a percent open just in case. Okay. All right, so that's that's number one. Number two, I won't say ninety nine point nine nine percent, but I'll say a vast majority of players get better nutrition in their college football at their college football campus or on campus than they do at home would you agree with that one yeah i wouldn't go 90 like you said i wouldn't go 99 point whatever but i'd go pretty high i'd go at least 80 percent yeah 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 even even if they're you know even if they eat steak and potatoes at home all the time they're at least on college they've got in college they've got some nutritionists that say no you need to eat this eat this portion so even even if the food might be the same at home it's more targeted to what they're trying to achieve on campus but i'll still you know i'll still reduce the the numbers and so that's that's truth number two and truth number three is that and i don't know a percentage on this and i wouldn't even put a percentage on it but you know this to be true there are numerous sec football players who have far better living accommodations on a college campus than they do at their normal home you've seen it in recruiting neil you know of course. And it's, it's, it's not everybody, and, and that's the smallest of all the percentages we've talked about. Agreed. But, but so with that, with, and, and none of them live, and, and none, no SEC player lives in a dump on campus, so they've all got good living accommodations. But some of them, it's an improvement over where they grew up. So if you take those three things, to me, and that's the only point I've made on this, is 
in a lot of ways, a college athlete is better off on campus than he is at home. He's getting better health care, better nutrition, and better living accommodations, or at least good living accommodations. And on top of that, now, Neil, they're aggressively testing these kids for the virus. These kids would not be aggressively tested back home unless they had symptoms. Yeah, they're Ross, getting tested almost all the time now. Ross Dellinger has a story out today that says, hey, we, we they at, at SI, and I have absolutely no doubt, to, no reason to doubt Ross. He's an absolutely fantastic journalist. I don't think he's particularly happy with me here lately, but but uh, but 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 I, I have nothing but positive things to say about Ross the person and Ross the journalist. He's just fantastic. Uh, he's got a story out today that that says, "Hey, we've we've seen the the document that that uh, the the SEC, I think SEC, Big Twelve, ACC uh, is about to release, and it it's going to call for weekly testing." Yeah, and and these kids back home, any football player, I don't care how prominent he is back home he's only getting tested if he's got symptoms because that's really the only time he thinks hey you know i really ought to go get tested for this so you know i mean you you put all those things together and it's really i mean anyone's entitled to their opinion i'm fine with that but to me it's a difficult argument to argue against the fact that at this moment these players are safer on campus than they are anywhere in terms of catching this virus well and i'll add one to it I won't make it number four on the Ryan Brown list because your list is really good, and I don't know that my list will ever be as good as yours. But but in a season, if you will, where they show up for, quote, fall camp, and they play a season that goes through, we'll call it, just call it Thanksgiving for the a, a, a clean date, they're going to have more structure. Absolutely. More demands yeah. on their time. Yeah. That if you... And listen, I'm not uh, college kids are college kids. I mean, they're, they're they are of course. They, they're yeah. like my daughter last night was saying, "I'm going to go to parties." I'm just telling you, I'm going to go to parties. And we're like, <laughs> we're, we're like, we're like, well, okay, but I mean, just be you know, be cognizant of whatever. And she's like, "What is the difference between me going to a party and me going to a class? What is the difference between?" Turn- and I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." Um, yeah. They're college kids. They're, they're going to socialize. They they do all that stuff. Um, but if they have structure and they have demands and they have practice and they have study hall and they have classes, whether they're online or in person or whatnot, and they have games and all of those things, there is less time for them to do the things, quite frankly, absolutely that lead to not only acquiring the, the coronavirus, but spreading it. Yeah, and and I don't know about Oxford, but I would say right now in Tuscaloosa and Auburn, the party scene isn't quite popping. I mean, there's not a, there's not a ton of people on campus right now. So no, but you know what, Ryan, the kids that here, it's my understanding, and I'm I don't I, you know the the some of the people that have told me this have been like, hey, you know, be careful with how you do this. So I'm going to try to be careful. But it's my understanding that here, among the players that have either gotten it or who have been exposed to it and therefore had to be quarantined. None of that stuff, to my understanding, zero of that stuff happened inside uh, the Manning Center, which is where Ole Miss's football facilities and their their coaches and all that stuff is there. You've you've seen it. It's on the the south side of the of the football stadium. Is it named after Eli or Archie? Uh, it's Cooper after Cooper. Um, <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Well, right now they Ole Miss would tell you right now that it's named after Cooper because his son is is coming up as a as a oh, elite yeah. high school quarterback. They, they like a large, do they? Yeah, I would I would venture to say that I'm probably going to write about Arch a little bit in the next couple yeah. of years. Anyway, there's 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 no doubt that that uh. What was I even saying? I kind of. I'm sorry. You said it didn't happen in the Manning Center. No, yeah, it didn't happen in the Manning Center. It happened 
off campus. Yeah, it happened yeah. when guys got together being guys and they're playing poker around a table and they're, they're playing Xbox or P- PlayStation. And, you know, I'm sure there was a bottle somewhere and people passed the bottle and there might've been a vape or, or whatever. Who knows? I mean, college kids do college kid things. And just because they're football players doesn't make them less of college kids. They, they're just college kids who run well, fast. Yeah. And, 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 and I tweeted about, you know, the, the same exact, Thing I just laid out. I've tweeted about it numerous times. One guy responds to me yesterday and says, well, what you don't seem to understand is when they get to campus, they're going to go to bars and have sex. And I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> but you, not, you know, not, not in the same place. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know that, but you know, you're right. Back home, they're not going to go to a bar and have sex. They only do that on a college campus. So my bad. Let's don't have college football because, because when college football well, players get but, on but campus, they're going to go to a bar and have sex. I won't talk about their their sex lives, but they're going to go to you. bars more often in the four months in parties. I mean, there's no difference between going to a somebody's house where they're they're drinking and there's thirty people crammed into a house and then going to a bar. It's the same thing. And yeah. to my daughter's defense, she's right. Um, there's no difference. So they're going to do that more often because now instead of on on Friday night, you're preparing to play a football game. And on Saturday, you're playing a football game. And on Tuesday, you have practice. And Wednesday, you have practice. And instead of all of that, now they, they won't have any of that. I mean, you know, yeah. real, realistically, if someone puts the decree down that goes, hey, college football season is, is, is no longer. Well, they're not practicing this fall. No. And no. a lot of them are going to go home. Yes. You know, they're going to go online. It's it's going to these programs. If there is a scenario in which a season is canceled or in I think the SEC would say, hey, we're going to punt to the spring and then we'll all spend a fall talking about is it even viable in the spring? I dread that story. Please, God, don't uh, let it happen. Yeah. But in that I'd almost sc- rather them just cancel it than do that, honestly. But, but in anyway, that scenario, yeah. Ryan, they're, they're not going to be the kids at Alabama aren't going to be hanging out in Tuscaloosa working out around the clock. Seven days a week. Not even Nick Saban's going to be able to get them to do that. No, they're you know they're going to go back home. They're going to lift some weights at home. They're going to do you know whatever the Apple Watch tells them to do that Alabama gives them, and um, then they're going to go to parties and hang out with a girlfriend or a girl in the neighborhood or whatever. I mean that's what teenagers do. It's what young adults do. It's what college kids do. And they're and like you said, if you take away the classwork and the practice. Um, you know, it's going to be Xbox and that, my man. I mean, that's what they're going to do. And it's what any kid that age would do, college player or not. Yeah, no doubt. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, why do you think you mentioned AL.com? Matt Scalili went after you. He, he called you a, a body orifice. Um, yeah. He went after you pretty good. He, he was bothered by you. I think, I think some of what he was bothered by is he was bothered by the fact that you were referencing Clay Travis, even though that just was because that was the show that Greg Sankey was yeah. on. Yeah, technically I was referencing Greg Sankey, but I had to retweet Clay. Uh, Clay and I are friends. I don't mean it that way. You know what I mean? Sure. But Clay, Clay was the one that sent the tweet because it just so happened the interview was on Clay's show. Why do you think so many in our field, whether it's broadcast or or – websites or traditional media why do you think they're so defensive about this story um it's a great question i do think um and i know matt and i haven't talked to him he didn't bother to reach out to me so you know um 
I, I think in a lot of these situations, there's some of it, honestly, I think the root of Matt finally got around to saying it on Twitter. I think the root, of a lot of that is he dislikes Clay Travis. And I do think there's an element of jealousy there, but that's another topic. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it, this has been one of the strangest stories to see the way it's been politicized and, and it's been politicized you now by both sides. I'm not going to sit here and point the finger at one side or the other. Both sides oh, have sure. politicized this. Sure. And, and the weird thing is, I don't think either side can stop and look and see how they've politicized it. Or they can and they just ignore it. Um, and that's frustrating to me. I, you know, I mean, it's just I'm, I'm one of the guys, if it makes me a moderate to say this, it makes me a moderate to say this. I just want it to get done and be over. I don't really care who got crap wrong. I don't care what the president said. I don't care what Nancy Pelosi said about it. I really don't. I want it to be done and going so I can have a normal way of living and people stop dying around me. You know, I mean, that's, that's just honest as I can be about it. You know, I want my kids to go back to school and have a normal school. I want to sit down and watch football. I want people to stop dying. I, I really don't care. I really don't care which political party solves it or which political party's right about what they said. I, you know, I, I don't care. And, and I think most Americans are that way, honestly. Um, I, I would I would say, and this is a long answer to this. Let me let me try to boil this answer down. Well, I've got time. Go ahead. And I'm curious if if <laughs> here's one of those again that I would say I don't know that everyone would agree this is an undeniable fact, but I'm curious if you agree with me. And and before I even say this, I'm going to tell you I lump myself into what I'm about to say. Any member of the media. Any member of the media, be it newspaper, radio, TV, the way they approach stories is affected by their core beliefs. Would you agree with that? Yes, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. And those that deny it are being disingenuous. Um, and, And I think they know they're affected by their core beliefs. They just, there's this journalistic code where I presented, you know, I may vote Democrat or I may vote Republican, but I present it neutrally. No, you don't. You don't. You you can you can lie to yourself all you want, but uh, somebody that you know grew up in a Republican household and has voted for everybody from Bob Dole through the Bushes through you know everybody, um, you you and John McCain, you know you you look at it through that lens. And if you grew up in a Democratic household and you know you voted for everybody from Walter Mondale on. You, you look at it through that lens. I mean, let's don't be disingenuous here. So I, I think a lot of the way this is covered is there are a number of members of the media that have a great dissatisfaction with the current administration. And Neil, they are well within their rights of Americans to have a great dis- dissatisfaction with the current administration. That's sure. what makes America great. Sure, of course. Listen, I've, I've had dissatisfactions with the administrations I voted for and voted against. That's just part of being American. But so we have elections every four years. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're about to in November get a chance to to try to change that administration. Um, that's a, that's a great part about living in our country. But I do think that when this became political, um, there are a lot of members of the sports media who don't normally delve into this that their political beliefs aligned with a, a narrative of a certain side of this and didn't align with the narrative of another side. So they've wholly dove in head first into this narrative. And I do think a lot of their political leanings. And again, now I'm not saying it's only liberal media. I'm saying conservative media are doing this too. I think it's on both sides. I just think a lot of people allow this topic to become a political dividing line for them. 
The Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi, but they represent clients in more than 20 states. They have advisors in multiple states as well. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. Investments treated like a like a commodity there at Pinnacle Trust. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust is going to sit down with you, study your goals, listen to you, um, listen to your dreams, and uh, study your expenses and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's Pintrust.com, P-I-N-N Trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fee. It's Pintrust.com. We're also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. If you're uh, just looking forward to getting away, maybe you're already starting to think about a trip around the holidays. Whatever the case may be, I know it's a weird time with travel. Some places are open, some places aren't, some places are limited, some places aren't. Save yourself a lot of research time. Get in touch with John. Tell him what you're thinking about. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget, and he's going to come up with a bunch of options for you that you will not find on your own. He's part of Virtuoso, so he's going to come up with a lot of different things that you will not be able to find because you won't know where to look for them and you won't have access to it. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles, great lease deals as well. Go in, tell Gene and Sandy and the people there at Grenada Nissan that you heard about Grenada Nissan on the podcast. You'll get Rebel Savings on top of the already great deals there at Grenada Nissan. The website's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with the personal touch. They also give you the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa, and with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. OUB also offers online bill pay and mobile check deposit using its online app. To learn more about OUB, check out liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group, dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. The firm is built on decades of wealth management experience, and they have seen it all. Their financial advisors have a reputation for professional excellence, and their clients rely on their high level of confidence and integrity. So whether you need guidance on developing a financial plan, creating a customized executive benefits program for your business, or preparing a detailed asset allocation analysis, Bluff City Advisory will provide forward-thinking, cost-effective investment strategies customized to uniquely fit each client. 901-365-3447 or email ben, B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by the law firm of Bain, Moss, and Bowen, PLLC, located in historic downtown Corinth, Mississippi. Their firm practices a wider range of law, from DUI defense to car wrecks to representing government entities. 
Bain, Moss, and Bowen PLLC is the only firm in Mississippi that is made up of a sitting state legislator, a former assistant district attorney, and a former circuit court judge. Their experience is unmatched, and you can tap into that experience by visiting them at 618 East Waldron Street in Corinth or by calling them at 662-287-1620. Now back to the show. Yeah, I do too. I get the question a lot from people when they know I've been in media a long time and I've been in different places and I've covered different teams and schools and stuff. And now I've I've been in traditional media and now I'm in whatever this is called, new media, and now I'm podcasting. And so people know I've kind of had a weird career. And they'll say, why do so many guys in your field not want there to be a football season? And I, I'm always tell them i don't think it's that i i don't think dan wilkin wants there to not be a football season what i do think is those guys and i'm not talking about dan necessarily or matt scalili necessarily or anyone necessarily but i do think some of those guys are so idealistic about their political views that they fail to understand because very few people have really dived into the story what the financial ramifications, the emotional ramifications, the long-term program ramifications are for a no-college football season. They're quick to tell you, well, the system shouldn't be the way it is. Well, I get that, but that's ideal world versus real world. Yeah. And in the ideal world, no, we're not so dependent on this, that whatever, I get it. And I, I don't necessarily completely disagree with that. But we don't live in that world, and it, maybe we're going to get to that world, but it ain't going to be right now. In the real world, it's it's devastating. It's jobs, oh, it's yeah. scholarships, it's opportunities. Uh, there's mental health. I mean, you and I were joking about it a minute ago, but it's it's not really a joke. I mean, you live in a state where I, I, I lived in Alabama for, I think, 11 or 12 years. People are, to say they're passionate about football is an understatement. Uh it's a part of people's lives. When you take that away from people, there's there's depression and pain and suffering. And I'm not comparing that suffering to dying or anything like that, but it's real. It's a it's a legitimate emotional loss. There's going to be that kind of thing that happens. It's it's to say it's a net negative is an understatement. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Um, the financial ramifications are incredible, and you know it's it's interesting. When the Big Ten announcement started to leak, or when the Big Ten decision, and I'm getting to a point here that encompasses, I think, all the college football media just about. When, when the Big Ten rumors started circulating, I think the first person I saw report it was Nicole Arbach of uh, The Athletic, that the Big Ten was talking about making an announcement very soon to go conference only. And I see her, and I'm like, well, I'm going to try to find some Big Ten voices. There were three. One of them was uh, Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. I yeah. can't remember the other ones, Dale. But it's it's guys that I knew were major Big Ten voices, major market Big Ten voices. All three of them, I go to their Twitter feed just to see what they're saying about it. All three of them have a message up. I'm on furlough until such and such date, so I won't be tweeting until then. Now, that's obviously COVID-related. But I got to think for a lot of members of the media that cover college football, that has to be a wake-up call that, hey, you know, I'm working for a company that's in, and listen, the radio company I work for, 
had some furloughs. Okay, so you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm speaking from a point of I get this. The company I work for is on a financial footing that that is, you know, uh, anything could cause some bumps that could cost me my job. And you know what? If my job for this company is writes about college football, and there is no college football, and I've just faced a furlough there's a chance I don't have a job on the other side of this. So I say that to say, I cannot believe with that reality, and that's a reality, that those people that would be facing that would say, God, I hope there's not a football season. I don't know that anybody that actively roots against having their own job. And so I can't believe, I do believe, Neil, there are some people that, I think there are some people that are cheering for there to be no football. I do. I do believe that. Some people in the media. Yeah. I don't believe it's everybody that is reporting what you what most people perceive to be only the negative stories about it. Um, but I, I just, do think I there just are read, some that are actively rooting against it. I do believe that. I just read one story earlier today, and I won't name him because I, it's not worth it. It's not worth the. It, it, it's not worth doing. Uh, who wrote a very derisive story? That was. It was kind of a. Uh, you know, everyone's been, everyone in college football has been, been preaching, you know, positivity and, and now the, the trains run out and <laughs> it's all, it almost comes across as a ha ha. And it's like, dude, I mean, if there's no football, there's probably no college basketball. There's probably no college baseball programs die. Kids lose scholarships. We don't have anything to cover. It's going to be a little rough, bud. It, it is. And, and, you know, I'll humanize this, too. I talked to a friend of mine recently who's uh, got two college athlete um, children, and they're different schools, right, in the Southeast. And one of them, uh, his season, his baseball season, ended abruptly because of coronavirus, right? And he's not going to go to the major leagues. He's done. And the other one is going to be a senior in their sport next year, and the dad fully realizes if there's no football, that sport will not exist for my child's senior year. It's a spring sport. Um, that's reality, man. And, you know, he's tore up because his son didn't get to finish out his senior year. He's about to graduate college or has graduated. He's about to go, you know, into the workforce. And now I've got another one and I'm thinking, you know, they may not have the sport to play next year. I mean, that is a total reality. And it's a reality not just at you know, your AAC schools, it's a reality in the Southeastern Conference. I can promise you all 14 of those athletics directors that came to Birmingham last week came there with a list of sports that I'm sure they've already presented to Greg Sankey, but Greg probably just wanted an updated list. Uh, if we can't figure this out, uh, here, here are the sports the conference will be losing, Mr. Commissioner. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I cover a school that because it's just come through the the – it's on the other side of an NCAA nightmare that went on for years. You're aware of it. Um, I've heard. Because of that, you know, they have money in escrow, and that money, I think, is headed towards uh, coach buyouts and things like that. They they don't have the reserve to survive this, if you will. Yeah. And so no one at Ole Miss has told me this, but, I mean, I can do the math. I, I think they have to kill programs. Well, sure. And, I mean, take a look at a school like Auburn who, you know, I mean – uh, on the on the scale of schools in the nation, Auburn's going to be way, way, way high on revenue, right? Yeah, of course. It's one of uh, the top fifteen to twenty yeah, athletics easy. programs yeah. in the country. Easy. Yeah, part of part of life in the SEC, man. That's it's good to be in the SEC. Um, they've got a, a merchandise deal with Under Armour, 
And part of that deal was a significant amount of Under Armour stock, which when Auburn agreed to that deal, that stock was skyrocketing. That stock is bottomed out now, and it is worth $8 million less than it was when Auburn agreed to the deal. Those are the financial realities these schools are looking at. And, I mean, now is not the time that Alan Green, the Auburn Athletics Director, could say, oh, yeah, $8 million bucks, that's, that's nothing. We're in the SEC. Those, you know, you, like you just said, takeaway football season, Ole Miss probably had already spent that football season money because of the escrow money they've been spending elsewhere, right? If that football season money doesn't come in, um, you can't go get a payday loan if you're Ole Miss. I, I don't presume an athletics program could take out a loan. Maybe they could. I don't know how all that would work. But there's going to be programs that are going to die, and that's just the reality of it. We mentioned spring football. Uh, you've probably talked to people about this. I know I have. The people that I've talked to around the SEC, if I'm honest, Ole Miss included, are very skeptical about spring football. They just don't think it works for a number of reasons. And it has nothing to do with top players aren't going to play because they're going to go get ready for the draft. That, Frankly, that would be a very small problem in the whole scheme of things. Uh, they, they just don't think it works. I, I, have an, I have a feeling, tell me whether I'm, I'm right or wrong. I know we joked about it a minute ago, but I have a feeling based on what I've heard that if the SEC and everybody announces, hey, we're not going to play this season, I think they're going to announce they're not playing this season. I don't think they're going to punt to the spring. It, it, it's going to be a nightmare for most of the SEC. All you got to do is watch the NFL draft and see how many SEC players, almost twice as many as any other league, go in the NFL draft. And it quickly becomes the question for those players, what do I do? Oh, they go. They, they don't play. I wouldn't. No. The, um, the, the, the problem you have is if you cancel the season or postpone the season based on the virus, you have a decision to make immediately. Okay, well, do we, do we quote, stay open and keep everybody ready? The new, you know, you gotta, because if you're going to play in the spring, you can't just shut it down. If you're going to play in the spring, you've got to keep the players' uh, nutrition and, and their training and the testing and all of those things because you still got to keep your players safe. That costs a lot of money, and there's no guarantee at this point that you're not going to have another bout of this in, you know, you got to bring them back in January to get them ready, six weeks to ramp up to get ready for a football season, and then all of a sudden, March, the cases pick back up again and you can't do it. Well, now you've wasted all that money back in the fall keeping the office open, if you will. Yeah, and and it's not as if the NFL is going to say – Oh, yeah, college, man, we feel really bad that happened to you. You guys let us know when our pro day would work. Or you guys let us know when we should do the combine. Or you guys let us know where we should move the draft. Uh, No, the NFL is not going to do that. The NFL loves the fact that the combine is where it is and the draft is where it is because the NFL dominates the sports calendar with those events. Um, So I don't think the NFL is going to be keen on pushing a combine back into June or a draft back into June to accommodate the college football season being played when it is. I think the NFL knows what we just talked about is true. Any of the guys that think they're going to be in the top round will not play college football season or or, or many of them will not play. Yeah, the NFL's got a schedule ready if there's no college football. They've got a schedule ready if there's no college football to to move games to prime time spots on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. They, they know that we are conditioned as a society to watch a game early on Saturday, to watch a game in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday, and then to watch a game at primetime on Saturday night. And they're going to provide those games. They're going yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. They're going to play a noon game and a three twenty-five yep. game and a seven thirty game or whatever, and and just scoff 
in the all the NFL will do is more of their games will be prime time. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll it'll almost negate you needing Sunday ticket. Because it, I, absolutely, have, every game will be on yeah. national television. Yeah, I know you're going to have so many live games that you won't even have to choose uh, among them. So, no, you're absolutely right, and there there's just no chance they're going to mess up their schedule, which was built to dominate the sports calendar year round, to accommodate college football moving to spring. I just I don't see that happening. So what do you think has to happen in the next couple of weeks for this to go the way that you and I are both hoping it goes, the way that all the people that are listening to this are, are hoping that it goes? Well, I think a significant step in the right direction is all these conferences saying um, that the, the, the test rates are at zero. I mean, if, if you can get these players on campus and keep the rates at zero of infection, I think you've taken a huge step in the right direction. I think it would greatly help on the national scene if the case count went down, it would be great. But if the death rate sunk back down in the fashion it was before it spiked back up a little bit, if the death rate would you know, get down in the low hundreds, it was down around 200 some days uh, nationally, if that would drop significantly, and people might be contracting this, but almost no one is dying from it. Um, because so much of this is about optics, and that's another thing that bothers me, Neil, is you hear, yeah, you know, the optics of it look bad. I sure would like these decisions to be made on what is best for the player and the employees of the athletic department versus optics. Now, sometimes what's best for the player and the optics are the same thing, right? I mean, those can co- you know, coexist. But sometimes the optics of something aren't necessarily what is the best decision. It's just the best decision might look bad. And, boy, that's frustrating to hear people say that, but you hear it a lot. Um, but I'll say it, if the death rate is low to near zero, that's great news for our nation, but also the optics become less of an issue. You know, okay, yeah, young people are getting affected, but none of them are dying. You know, they're easily able to fight this off. In fact, nobody's dying anymore. We, you know, we figured out how to treat this. I, I think, you know, I know two weeks is a short time frame for this, but continued reliable treatments. I've said all along, you know, the vaccine is down the road. Reliable treatments can be immediate. And if we could get, you know, some more reliable treatments that, that over the next two weeks, I don't think it would hurt. And I don't know what, you know, I'm hearing less and less and less of the, well, if students aren't on campus, we're not having a football season. Well, now that you've got the players on campus, it sure would be easy if fewer students showed up to say, well, they're already here. And boy, look, when they're here and no students are on campus, we've got zero infection rate. You know, all of a sudden, it's pretty easy for us to justify keeping these students on campus, even if all classes are online. So I, I think getting the stu- actually getting the players on campus was a massive step in the right direction because now it seems a whole lot easier to take the opposite view on that, doesn't it? Even if, even, even if you're an ardent academic, you know, academic school and you're not just some football factory, now that the players are already on campus and you're actually seeing that they're remaining healthy on campus, even if all your classes are distance learning, you already got the guys on campus. Why send them home now, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to play, you don't want to send them home again. I mean, you you need them to just stay where they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's easier to justify now that they're already on campus. That, I mean, that was so taboo a month ago. Oh, no, 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 no. If, students are, if, if the whole student body isn't on campus, you can't ask the players to be there. Well, we've already done it now. We've asked them to be there, and they're there. And they can take online campus uh, classes, you know, in an empty campus, just like they can at their home in Houma, Louisiana, or Pelham, Alabama. So, you know, we, we're beyond that point now. They may as well stay where they're getting the, 
better health care and the better food and the better housing in some cases and play football. So what, let's 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 be optimistic here and say there's a fo- right. there's a football season. We're going to get a season. Do you anticipate? I know Alabama's already lost its opening game. USC that game's not going to happen. Um, I have loosely reported that Ole Miss Baylor is not going to happen, and I think I may. I have, saw that report. Yeah. I say I think I may have jumped the gun. I, I have a feeling that I know how I misinterpreted something. I'll be I'll, I'll be transparent. What the hell. I, I think what someone was trying to tell me is that that game was not going to happen in Houston if it happened. That it, if it ha- oh, okay. if it happens, it's going to happen in in Waco or in Oxford. That it's not going to happen in Houston. I don't know yet. I'm I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it was, and I didn't. I just made a message board post. So if I committed a faux pas, it wasn't a terrible one. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I still don't think that game happens. If I'm totally honest, it's it's early in the season. It's a intersectional game. It's Big Twelve, SEC. I guess those those leagues could get on the same page. Your opinion? If I told you there is a season, what would you guess that it looked like? I would guess it would be a ten game season. Apparently, you know, if you read uh, Pat Forty and Ross Dellinger's story there at SI.com. Um, their intel from inside that AD's meeting was that the most popular plan was eight conference games plus two out of conference. Um, I think there's probably a reason that was the most popular plan. I think that's the one everybody feels like they could pull off the easiest. Uh, I'm like you. I'm hopeful that those out of conference games might could be some sort of um, some sort of agreement between the Big Twelve and the SEC or the ACC and the SEC because you do have a lot of crossover games in the ACC and the SEC, but try to get some out-of-conference games. If the Sun Belt plays, you know, does the SEC throw them a bone and try to schedule a Sun Belt team or the American or whatever? So, you know, I, I think these conferences that didn't rush to make the announcement that we're going to be conference only, they've got time. You know, it's not a ton of time, but they've got some time to try to figure this out. There are already reports. There were long ago reports that Alabama and TCU were talking. Greg Byrne continued to say, no, it's going to be USC. No, it's going to be USC. Well, it's not now. Um, so there are reports that Alabama TCU could be closer to happening than some would think. Um, so, you know, I, I would kind of, but I think a 10 game schedule spaced out to give opportunity for reschedules if there needs to be, you know, to give more bye weeks to just in case guys test positive. Um, that's kind of what I would think. Maybe a 10 game schedule over a 15 week period. So, you know, you'd have some more off weeks, but that might, you know, that might come in handy in a situation like this um do you i mean we're jumping the gun here let's go to attendance i saw where the university of illinois said 20 percent today uh no tailgating on their campus um no season tickets being sold they're going to space people out all that stuff if you bought a season ticket you can whatever you can kick it down the road you're in a state where Alabama and Auburn both sell a ton of season tickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People are people are active. They've been sitting in the same seats for basically generations. Um, I can't imagine that either Bryant Denny or Jordan Hare is going to be completely full. I just don't think that's no. that's, that's realistic. What what will that look like in in that state? And, and what do you think about the prospect of college football being played in empty stadiums? Yeah, I think that possibility is there. Um, you know, as we tape this, do we need to do a time check here, Neil? Uh, it is 2.57 p.m. Central Daylight <laughs> Time on Thursday, July the 16th, 2020. 
I, I don't suppose you watched it or a ton of your listeners watched it, and I only, you know, I only sampled it a little bit. But you know, the All Star race in Bristol, in NASCAR, yeah, it was run in Bristol with thirty thousand fans in attendance. And I think that's something that could be pulled off in the southern states. I do. And so that, that was about, states. what, one-fifth of the capacity? Yeah, yeah I think that place holds 130,000. Okay. So, so one-fifth yeah. to one-sixth of the capacity. Yeah. Yeah, so you're talking, you know, in Tuscaloosa, that's a 100,000-seat stadium. You know, maybe you get 20,000 people in there, 20, 25,000 spaced out. Um, I, I think you could reasonably – see that I, I i think the michigan announcement was very interesting because it was the first time a major program i had seen said okay here's going to be our procedure you know you have no general public ticket sales you must be a season ticket holder to purchase tickets so i thought that was interesting for michigan that we finally saw some sort of plan out on paper and i think a lot of athletics directors probably were already leaning that way but once a school like michigan comes out with it you look at it and say huh reasonable plan Let's start with that. So I would imagine, and Illinois kind of did the same thing. So I would imagine your most of your schools are probably going to look a lot like what Michigan looked like. They were the first one in the pool, and I think a lot of people will follow. If the games are played with no fans in the stands, and I, and I, it's funny how I've changed on this. When it, this first was mentioned in March and April, I was like, man, no way. You can't do it. The optics, as you mentioned, optics are so bad. I'm now to a point where it's like, hey, you got to do what you got to do. It it does absolutely empower the players in a way that oh yeah that, that will be uh, I fell think, for I, fell for decades yeah. yeah I think there will be a seismic change in, in the in the in the sh- the shape of college athletics. You do think that if it comes down to it, they'll play with no fans if it means getting to play. I think if it means yeah getting the TV money, like I don't suppose that CBS, if no games are played in the SEC in the fall, CBS is going to say, oh, by the way, I know we've got an agreement, which by the way, is about to end, but here's your check for however many million. And I don't suppose ESPN, who is already bleeding in this pandemic, is going to say, oh yeah, I know we're on the hook for three hundred fifty million, and you didn't play any games. Here's the three hundred fifty million. That that's not happening. So. Um, I, I think no fans in the stands with TV money is way better than nothing at all. Um, I think the TV money drives this whole thing. Whatever Ole Miss and State and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia can do and Greg Sankey can do to make sure that TV check rolls into Destin next year, they're going to do. And that's the smart move because it's where the SEC makes their money. Man, you're right about ESPN, by the way. They're bleeding. I mean, absolutely. And so how, how often? How often? I'm sorry, Neil. How often do you turn it on right now? How often do you say? Because normally Ooh. at night, normally at night, I plop down to my recliner after dinner, and if I don't, you know, if the football game's not on or an NBA game I want to see, normally it's during major league season. You know, the Nationals play the day game or something. I say, yeah. What else on TV? Turn on my TV. First stop, ESPN. Just I, that's where I start. I see what's on. If it's a game that doesn't interest me, I move on and find something else. Um, I, I can't tell you the last time I've plopped down in my seat and said, "Let's see what's on ESPN." It's one of the really interesting things. We're it's it's kind of all over the place. I'm answering your question in a long winded way. The answer to your question, the short answer is never. Yeah. Um, I have watched some English Premier League stuff. Right. Uh, they've done a pretty decent job of putting games on, but that's on you know like I'm, I'm using Directv. That's on like you know the. FSN or whatever that is, the uh, two nineteen and two twenty on 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 uh, Directv. 
ESPN's 206. I can't remember the last time I went to 206. I know the Cubs are scheduled to open their season a week from tomorrow night on ESPN. I'll watch that. I'm, I, uh, Jeffrey Wright and I taped a beer garden earlier uh, today. And I said, this is the first baseball season in my life where I don't care who wins games. I just want them to play and be successful. Yes. And I do think these first this first week or so is critical that Major League Baseball gets off to a good start. I think that helps college football make a decision that we're all hoping for. I mean, if, if, if baseball got started and four days in, they're like, this doesn't work. We can't do it. I, I, I don't see a scenario where four days later college football said, well, we're going to go. Yeah, it'd be I, tough. I, yeah. I, yeah, I just don't see it. So I – if, if you're out there and you're not cheering for all 30 Major League Baseball teams, you have lost your mind. Uh, you, need to, you need to be cheering for all of them. But to answer your question, I don't watch it much. And here's what's interesting, and, and, and it would scare me if I were sports, if you will. I mean, I consider myself a pretty big sports guy. I watch a lot of NBA. I watch a lot of Major League Baseball. Um, it's July now. There hasn't been sports in more than four months. And I can't sit here and tell you that day after day I miss it. I, randomly, there will be a day that I'll think, man, I would have watched the Cubs today, and this would have been a fun day to watch the Cubs or, or whatever. Like Father's Day, for example, one of my Father's Day presents is always I get to go watch the Cubs kind of by myself and, 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 and pour some bourbon into a glass and just sort of enjoy quiet and, uh, and, and, and cheer for the Cubs and then come down and cook dinner. That's kind of my thing. And, you know, so I missed it that day, but – don't get me wrong. I'll, when they come back, I'll watch it. But sports, I do think, has to be a little careful with when it does come back. They have to be a little bit careful about making it overly political because people have had enough, I think. And a lot of people have created habits now that don't involve sports. And it would be easy for them to say, you know what? I didn't have sports for five months. I don't really need it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I interrupted a college football question earlier to tell you about Aerial America on Smithsonian Channel. If that if that doesn't verify what you just said, I don't know what does. Um, my wife walked in on me watching it the other day and said, "Boy, I feel like I'm watching TV with my dad." <laughs> uh, but, but I'm but but you're right. It has allowed people to say, "Yeah, sports aren't on right now. I'll watch Netflix. I'll catch up on Ozark or." You know, I, I watch, watch a lot of whatever. Food Network. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I started. Yeah, yeah, I watch. I found out that my son is into Family Guy, and I'll watch Family Guy with him and and stuff. And uh, I got a sous vide for Father's Day, and I'm like, hey, what can I sous vide today? And and it's it's funny, man. You you can you break habits quickly. You know, when I was trying to lose weight, people said it takes three weeks to develop a habit. Yeah, you know, meaning an exercise habit. It takes three weeks to get to where hey, you're going to do it every day. And and that's probably right. Let's. It takes three or four weeks to make another habit too. I mean, like I, you know, I, I can't sit here and tell you that when sports come comes back that I'm immediately going to go. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Who, who's on Pirates and and uh, Mets? Yeah, and, yeah, I'm watching. And on top of that, it's not going to be the comfortable slippers. It, it's going to be weird sports. It's going to be no crowd sports. It's going to be you know a baseball stadium that is empty. Um, and, and that's it's going to feel different. I mean, not only, like you said, not only have I gotten comfortable without it and I've, I've developed a habit and I've developed viewing habits without it, when it does come back, it's going to feel weird. So you're right. It's on baseball to figure that out 
and figure out how to get it right now. The primary thing, like you said, is keeping players on the field and everybody healthy. Because if baseball can't get it right, that is bad news for football. But assuming they can do that, it's also on them to make it as comfortable for the viewing public as they can because that's what we're looking for. I mean, to your point, it's, it's the way I view our radio show here in Birmingham is we are the escape from all the crap. We don't really deal with all the crap on our show. You know, the, the stories about, you know, whatever, even as it intersects sports, we don't deal with it much because people get that everywhere. We're trying to be their escape, and that's what sports has always been for us. And look, I get it. Some stuff's going to intersect sports. But ultimately, when baseball starts back, I'm like you, Neil. I'm going to want to turn on the Yankees Nationals and forget that, you know, that there's a virus out there and that it might end college football. I just want to sit down and watch the Yankees and the Nationals and unplug my brain for an hour or two. You know, It's, it's why I – and I understand where the NBA is coming from. Oh, I know what I wanted to get to while I still have it. You have a couple more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Speaking of workouts, I've already done my workout today, so I'm I've, good. I've still got to do mine. This is my third of four podcasts, but I've got a window to hop on the Peloton. What, 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 what are you, oh, you're on Peloton now. I'm doing Peloton today. I ran last night in the heat, yeah. and uh, boy, I did six yeah, I tough. did six miles at 6 o'clock. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was probably not the smartest thing in the world. Wow. I, I walked nine holes to golf at 2 o'clock, and it was certainly not the smartest thing in the world. No, and it's brutal. So yeah. the, the I, I love the NBA. I freely admit it. I, I love the NBA. I think it's a great product. I live in the house. I live in a house with the kid who wears NBA jerseys uh, all the time. Zion Williamson and Jimmy Butler and Shea Gilgis Alexander and and the list goes on. Russell Westbrook, of course. So I mean, we, NBA is a talking point in my house because I, I like to have a relationship with my 13 year old son and and he loves it. That being said, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the nba it's been a rough while for the nba they they absolutely bungled the hong kong china thing back in the fall it came back to bite them in the ass here recently when uh the senator from missouri whose name escapes me right now josh holly yes holly yeah. uh, holly wrote a uh, a letter to the nba and it was well written it was it was I, I didn't think it was trolling i didn't think it was bait it was it was essentially asking Hey, you guys are, are are going to allow your players to wear social justice uh, things on the back of their jerseys, Black Lives Matter, uh, a number of those type things. Um, yet you have not addressed the situation with with human rights in Hong Kong. No a player cannot wear free Hong Kong on the back of his jersey, for example, or anything that's critical of China. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, the lead college basketball, I mean, lead NBA writer for uh, ESPN, the preeminent NBA writer in the world, sent a two-word email to um, Senator Hawley within two minutes of receiving the email from the senator. The second word was you. The first word rhymes with buck. And uh, he was suspended from ESPN, but that was not what interested me. What interested me was how many of his colleagues, and I guess our colleagues in some way, rushed not only to his defense, but celebrated him as a hero without really diving into what it was that the senator wrote. I'm I'm a little bothered by how many people in our field defended Wojnarowski's actions, which to me were indefensible, and also can can be as woke as they are on certain things as and I think they should be. I mean we you know, I mean, uh, racial equality is a big thing. It matters. But how you can feel that way about that and then not be 
not be worked up about what is happening in Hong Kong, which is an absolute violation of human rights by the, the Chinese communist government. Yeah, it, it, that was a fascinating, you know, the whole journalist part of it, I guess, the Woj part of it, you know, on so many levels. Because you know, here's what's interesting is Woj has made this amazing name because he has this incredible ability to break any NBA story immediately. I mean, his sources are incredible. And you view him as that. You view him as guy that breaks NBA stories. That's all you view him as. You don't know anything about him personally. I don't, at least. Um, and then you see this weird private side of him that leaks out and you're like wow I, he didn't strike me as a guy that would <laughs> write an fu back to a u.s senator i just gotta say mr i'm breaking basketball news left and right i didn't think you had that one in you so that that's fascinating because you get to see this side of this guy that you know really nothing about other than he just breaks a ton of nba news um the reaction blew me away because many of the same people that would say the national discourse the discourse in this nation has fallen in the toilet, has fallen off the cliff. We, we don't communicate, you know, people tweet horrible things. The president says awful things. This congressman says awful things. This person on TV, you know, the, the national discourse is terrible. And you've got a guy that, I, you know, at least by my standards, says something that you, I, I can't imagine saying to many humans. I certainly can't imagine saying it to a sitting United States senator who didn't make unreasonable requests. And some of those same people that would decry the national discourse are applauding him for doing that. And I just, it just is so inconsistent to me, if nothing else, Neil, that, that you would talk about how we just don't talk reasonably to one another and we say things we shouldn't say, yet this is applauded. I, I, I didn't really get it. And the, the other thing that bothered me, too, is seeing national media members, respected guys, say, this is how you handle an internet troll. This was not internet trolling. You, you don't have to agree with what he's asking for. That, that's the beauty of our country is you don't have to agree with it. But he was well in his right to request that. Yeah. He's, repre he's representing a group of people that feel that way. They voted him into office. He's their voice in Washington. Uh, they, they were not unreasonable requests that he asked. Uh, I, I was really, I'm like you, I was... I was blown away that Woj responded that way. That just, you know, it's not what I envisioned that guy to be like. Um, but I was more blown away by the reaction of many of the media that to react that way was baffling to me. All right, we'll stop here. And I really appreciate how generous you've been with your time. This is Heather Denich. She tweeted this this afternoon. It's a quote from NCAA President Mark Emmert, who fortunately will not be the one that makes the call on this, by the way. But he'll he'll have a voice. There's no question about it. He'll have a he'll he'll be involved in the discussions that lead to the decision. He says, "Quote today, sadly, the data point is in the wrong direction. If there is to be college sports in the fall, we need to get a much better handle on the pandemic." End quote. I get this question a lot, and I'm curious. You do radio every day in a uh, football crazy market. You guys dominate the market. It's one of the best. It's one of the best radio talk shows in the in the country, my opinion. Well, thank you. It's nice of you to say. If if the data doesn't work out over the next two weeks and the announcements that are made is, hey, there is no college football, and I'm asking this as much for some advice as I am anything else, What are how do you move forward? I know you don't just quit. You don't just walk in and go, hey, uh, listen, we're done. Thanks. Pull the plug. What what is sort of the plan? Have you guys even talked about how how it is that you would you would operate in a in a fall in the state of Alabama with no college football? Um, 
yeah, we're just not starting those conversations. If, I, if I'm to be honest with you, and I, it's the conversation nobody wants to have because you don't want to, you know, have to accept that this may be the case. Um, you know, <laughs> in a way pointing towards, you know, if there were a spring and fall season next year, that's what it's one point. I'm trying to be glass half full on this. Uh, I, I did tell someone not long ago, all right, worst case scenario, they move it to spring. Could you imagine a 2021, what, two football seasons? <laughs> if we don't just get one, we get two. You'd get, so, one, you'd get one that was kind of like an exhibition season, I think. Right. And then you'd get a real one. But it's like you said, I don't want to sit through a fall of, well, if we, I've, I've done this all summer already, if we have football in the fall. I certainly don't want to sit up through a fall of if we have football in the spring. I, I, I'm not interested in those conversations. Um, you know, I don't know. The NFL still, you know, it's not college football by any stretch of the imagination, but it does pretty well here in Birmingham. So if we still had NFL, at least you've got something to talk about. Um, other than us pivoting to becoming just your standard morning show where we talk about Almost anything, which we kind of do anyway. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to your question, Neil, and I hope yeah. I don't have to answer it. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, it's something I think about a lot. I, I it for a while it woke me up, and, and then I said, "You can't deal with it. Don't worry about it. You can't." We we started off by saying you can't control the uncontrollable, right. and we'll finish there. You can't control the uncontrollable. I'll, I'll, I will deal with. My mother used to say, "We'll cross that bridge when we get there." I yeah. guess I guess I will cross that bridge when I get there. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we never make it to that bridge. Yeah, I hope I see it in the distance. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. As always, man, it's great, and uh, I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, big fan so, of your work. So thanks for being with us. Well, thank you, Neil. It's always fun, and uh, let's do it again soon. Okay, thanks, Ryan. Our thanks to Ryan Brown of WJOX again for his time. Uh, Chase Parham and I will have a hand raise guys Thursday night, depending on when you hear this, it's either tonight or it was last night. You'll be able to watch it on our YouTube channel, or you can listen to the podcast version of which will be up on Friday morning where you listen to podcasts. That'll wrap up our week. That show will our week of podcasts, a lot for you to get to Martin Palomo and I are taping a mind on my money, uh, Friday morning. Uh, that'll be up, uh, sometime late Friday, early Saturday also. So we'll have plenty of podcast to you over the course of the week, and then we'll uh, be right back to you next week with more on the Oxford Exxon podcast as we get closer and closer to what feels like a uh, huge decision day some point in the next uh, couple of weeks here in the uh, in the southeast and all over the country as we hope, with fingers crossed, for the return of college football in uh, in August and September. That's what we're all hoping for, as you just heard Ryan and I talk. So hope you enjoyed that conversation. We will be back with you again uh, tonight, tomorrow, on the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Until then, take care.